Good afternoon, this is Quintus Curtius, and welcome back to the podcast. For this podcast, I wanted to read one of my recent articles that appeared on my website, qcurtius.com. And I got the idea to do this from a very nice correspondence with a, a school teacher in Germany, very, very nice lady. And she had uh, told me that she liked to use my podcasts in her English class because she found that my elocution and rhythm and pacing of speech was appropriate for students. And I found that flattering, so I thought I would provide a few more podcasts, not just for instructional purposes, but also just for anyone who finds that they like to process information better in um, uh, you know, through hearing uh, in the audible form rather than in the written form. You know, sometimes if you're out uh, at the gym or driving your car, you can put your headphones in and you can listen to me. And it's the same information, the same message that's being delivered, but it's just being delivered in a different form. So I wanted to do that and provide, and maybe I'll make that a permanent feature of QCurtius.com. You know, the the articles that I find to be good teaching points we can make into podcasts in addition to all the normal podcasts that I do here. So look for that uh, during this year. This article is going to be uh, Unleashing the Creative Forces in You, and this appeared on January 12th of, of this year. And I'm going to go ahead and read that. It's hard to predict when you'll enjoy your most productive periods in life. For some people, their years of productivity come early, and then they just ride out the remainder of their lives based on early successes. Albert Einstein, to take an example, is one of those people. In fact, most major scientists seem to achieve their major breakthroughs before they reach the age of 50, and after that, they seem to follow decades of coasting on past successes. Einstein, as well as most other great physicists of the early 20th century, practically exploded onto the scene. His great discoveries, the law of the photoelectric effect, special relativity, and the theory of general relativity, all took place when he was not a major academic figure. In fact, his best work was done while he was laboring as a lowly patent clerk in Switzerland. But yet he was always busy, and he always pursued his passions without any thought for what others might say or might think. His contrarian attitudes arguably enabled him to resist the temptations of conformist boilerplate thinking. But this is not universally true. Other great men were different. Some literary figures, it seems, only developed their craft when they reached a mature age. And perhaps this has something to do with the differences between scientific achievement and literary achievement. One could argue persuasively that Literary achievement requires a certain seasoning, a certain worldly wisdom, and a certain perspective that writers in their formative years can't really match. On the other hand, poetry, that most creative of written forms, may be an exception. Many great poets were brilliant in their youths. We think of Samuel Taylor Coleridge, as well as Lucan, for example, the Roman poet who composed the epic Pharsalia while in his early 20s. One such late bloomer, literary late bloomer, was Miguel de Cervantes. His father was an itinerant physician, scratching out an uncertain living from the generosity and the ailments of the peasants with whom he disdained to rub shoulders. 
At age 22, he had some of his poems published by a Madrid teacher. In the same year, he was banished from Spain for ten years as a punishment for dueling. In 1571, he signed as a seaman in the Armada assembled by Don Juan of Austria, most likely to escape prison, and he saw action against the Turks at Lepanto, enduring three wounds and the loss of the use of his left hand. In 1575, he and his brother Rodrigo, on their way back to Spain, were captured by Saracen pirates, and as was customary at the time, he was impressed into slavery in Algiers. For five years he was held there in bondage. His sisters tapped into their marriage dowries, his mother tapped her friends and contacts, and together they raised the 500 crowns needed to ransom him. From this experience he gained a wealth of stories, a knowledge of Arabic and of Islamic customs, and a genial philosophic view of life. How could it be otherwise? But perhaps this was enough. He returned to Spain rich in nothing but experience. Further military adventures brought him a little brought him little except a healthy skepticism of swordplay and war. In fifteen eighty four he married a loyal and patient woman named Catalina, eighteen years younger than he, and oversaw the publication of a mediocre romance called Galatea. Further efforts as a playwright produced little in the way of lucre. Appointed a tax collector at Granada in 1594, he was eventually jailed for 90 days on suspicion of embezzlement. Released, our hero was then locked up again at Argamasilla. Like his Portuguese contemporary Camoins and his English predecessor Thomas Mallory, he found prison a wonderful concentrator of literary effort, and there completed the manuscript for what would eventually become one of the most cherished novels in world literature, Don Quixote. The first volume of Don Quixote was not published until 1605, when Cervantes was 58 years old. 58 years old. He had written some comparatively minor works before this, but 58 is an unusually age for literary success. The second volume of his masterpiece did not appear until Cervantes was actually in his late 60s. Some men just need time to find the full resonance of their voices. Let's take another example. The restaurant owner Ray Kroc of McDonald's fame also found success late in life. Born in 1902, he had experimented with a number of different careers, salesman, musician, even radio DJ, before taking a chance on buying a small hamburger restaurant in the 1950s. The rest, of course, was history. But he had seen his share of rough times. He once said something to the effect that, I was an overnight success, but that success took 30 years. The historian Thucydides did not write his great history until late in life. And the great American historian William H. Prescott wrote his histories of the Spanish conquest of the Americas while he was practically blind. And I've written a separate article about William H. Prescott from my website, qcurtius.com, and I described that incident. It's a very bizarre situation. Uh, Prescott was a student at Harvard College, and during a food fight in a lunchroom, if you can believe that, he was blinded, or he was hit in the eye with a crust of bread. And from there, his eyesight degenerated progressively worse and worse and worse, until a point was reached where he could not write without the use of what 
was called a noctograph, a noctograph, which is an instrument to aid the writing for people who have problems with vision. And he was able he was able to overcome those obstacles. You just don't know where or when your big break is going to come from. You just don't know. And that's why you've got to do all you can now to cultivate and nurture your interests during your life. You know, my own personal experiences bear this out. You may be surprised to know that I never did any creative writing of any kind until I began writing for Rushvi's website, Return of Kings, in early 2013. I always had a storehouse of ability, creativity, and knowledge in my head, which came from my experience in life, living, uh, leadership, travel, reading, and life in general. But I needed that trigger. I needed that spark. And some personal difficulties I was going through around that time caused me to take pen to paper. I needed to express myself. I had even tried my hand at painting pictures, believe it or not. And the results of these experiments are on my Instagram account, which you can see on my website also, qcurtius.com. And readers will instantly see, when they look at those pictures, why I prefer writing to painting. (laughs) So I was able to turn my anguish, rage, emotion, experience, knowledge, passion, zeal, and intensity into prose. And the result was that, arguably, I either created a new genre for a new era, or breathed new life into a completely forgotten genre, one that had not been seen since the days of Plutarch, Montaigne, or Bacon, which is the moral or ethical essay employing themes from history, biography, and philosophy. I never actually consciously planned to be a writer. It just sort of happened. Some things are just fated to be. Some voices just will be heard no matter what. Some people just come from nowhere. Some people just come out of nowhere. But I knew I had a voice, and I knew that voice needed to be heard and would be heard. The novelist James Fenimore Cooper, who lived from 1789 to 1851, had a similar start. How did he start writing? Well, he was sitting in the living room of his study one day, we are told, reading one of those boring 19th century novels of the day closing the book down and flinging it across the room, he announced to his wife that he could do better. Well, why don't you try to, was her response. Maybe I will, he fumed. And the result was a string of beautiful books about the American frontier, including Pathfinder, The Deerslayer, and Last of the Mohicans. These books are true classics, and without doubt Cooper accomplished his goal of bettering his predecessors. So my point is this, if you have an interest in anything, cultivate it, practice it. It can be nearly anything. Some people are incredibly skilled at fixing machines. Some people are great at agriculture. Some people are great cooks. Some people are great musicians, tailors, seamstresses, salesmen, actors, animal trainers, photographers, whatever. It doesn't really matter what it is. What matters is that you do something and that you're good at it. Don't try to imitate other people. Don't try to mimic what others do. Do not denigrate the abilities of others. Focus on yourself.
you will never achieve anything unless your efforts are genuine and come from within you. Sincerity is the mother invention, as much as is necessity. You will never know when it will explode into something creative. If the interest is there and the passion is there, all you need is a spark. You will have your moment. You will have your day. And when it comes, you will be surprised yourself. And you will surprise yourself with just how much creative potential is inside you locked away for just that moment. You will both inspire yourself and others. So never give up on yourself. Your spark can happen at any time. And that will conclude our podcast for today. I want to thank you for joining us. This podcast was brought to you courtesy of Fortress of the Mind Publications. And before signing out, I would just like to leave a brief message for listeners. If you've read one of my books and enjoyed it, I would ask you to please leave a book review on Amazon.com. Even a few sentences helps us writers by enabling others to find our work amidst the vast armadas of printed material out there floating on oceans of ink. So please go ahead and do that if you if you could. And also, if you enjoyed this podcast, and if you enjoy my podcasts here at qcurtius.com, please go to iTunes and rate me on iTunes, because that is what helps others to find these podcasts on iTunes and enable us enables us to keep getting the messages of Fortress of the Mind out there. So... I will sign off for now, and we will join you again soon.